Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of Blatant Homers and Podcast, part of Sooner Sports Radio on the Vsporto Network. Uh, getting close to Big 12 tournament time, as well as the NCAA tournament, the Big Dance. So I uh, called up our friend Kevin Flaherty of 247sports.com to uh, talk a little bit about the uh, end of hoop season. So let's welcome him on. Kevin, how you doing, man? Uh, doing great, Alan. How are you? Oh, man, no complaints here. No complaints here. So, uh, you know, the more things change, you know, the more they stay the same. Uh, Kansas closing in on yet another uh, Big 12 uh, league title. Um, I, you know, the funny part is I look at this Kansas team out of all of them, and this, uh, it's not, it's not, you know, to say it's the worst Kansas team to ever win a uh, Big 12 championship under Bill Self, is it would be kind of... Uh, throwing more shade on than I'm trying to, but you know what I mean? It's it's certainly the team that I, I think is maybe the least likely that I can remember to uh, win a Big 12 crown. I mean, you followed the Jayhawks for a while. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's certainly may, maybe the, the polite way to put it, I guess, would say that they're the most flawed Kansas team uh, to win under to win a Big 12 title under Bill Self. And, and it, it's really been fascinating to watch you know, sort of the the narrative around this team, obviously, and, and there were times when, it, and it seems like we go through this every few years where people say, okay, this is the year that Kansas is not going to win it for for one reason or another, and you know they they were able to pull they were able to pull themselves in, but certainly you know from a depth standpoint, you know they don't really have a traditional Kansas roster. You know when you consider that Bill Self is so big into you know having two legitimate post guys to run the high load this year's team doesn't really have that at all. And, and, you know, they aren't very good rebounding team, which is a major departure from a lot of bill self teams in the past and, and not all that great defensively. And so what they, what they've done is they've been able to, you know, sort of get by with, I guess what you would call situational or opportunistic defending you know, there have been periods this season where they've played really good defense when they've had to. And, you know, they're they're a tough team to stop on the offensive side because of the way that they shoot it, you know, from distance. And then when you add that to a, a four-out attack and your, your one guy is a seven-foot, 280-pound guy that people have a lot of trouble moving out of the paint, and he shoots, you know, almost 80% from the floor, I, I guess that's the – that's the combination that this year's team was was able to ride to the Big 12 title. But yeah, certainly more flawed than the Kansas teams that that we're used to seeing on a year to year basis. Yeah, I mean, how important is Devontae Graham to this team? He he's there. There is no there. There is no way that you can overstate, uh, I guess, how important Devontae Graham is to this team and. And not just from, you know, a Kansas needs Devontae Graham to show up or Kansas needs Devontae Graham to star. Devontae Graham is the only point guard that Kansas really has. And so you went through that stretch this year where he played about 10 or so games in the heart of Big 12 play without subbing out for a single minute. And it's it's amazing because you think about how important and how vital Frank Mason was a year ago. And, you know, obviously Mason swept the, the Naismith and the wooden awards. Well, Frank Mason still got to sit down on the bench every once yeah, in a while yeah. and, and still got to have his rest. Whereas Kansas, you know, they legitimately felt like if Devonte Graham went 
to the bench for any reason, it, it was going to be a disaster. And so for him to be able to log those kinds of minutes, for him to have the performance that he did, you know, in sort of the Big 12, you know, winner-take-all Texas Tech game that that happened last weekend, even with Tech without Keenan Evans and with his performances against guys you know, like Trey Young, you know, in the second Oklahoma game, his performances against Javon Carter in the West Virginia games, you you really look at it and say that that this is a run that not only wouldn't have been possible without him, but I I don't think it's that big of a stretch to say that Kansas could be, you know, a a middle of the middle tier Big 12 team had, had Devontae Graham not played, if not even worse. How do you think Bill Self feels about this team? I mean, I'm sure that he's had, you know, some throughout time that maybe he likes better than others or feels, you know, is more, maybe more, you know, just kind of more comfortable with or whatever. I mean, how do you think that Self views this team? You know, it's funny because the one thing that Bill Self prides himself on more than anything else, and I almost think more than even winning, is toughness. He wants his team's to have a toughness to him. And it's something that he's attributed back to his own, you know, background and growing up in Oklahoma. And, you know, Bill Self was never the most talented player out there, Uh, but he was, he was able to make himself a a pretty solid player at Oklahoma state and and had a lot of toughness. And he expects his teams to be extremely tough. That's the one attribute that they all have to have. And, you know, he uses sort of that dreaded phrase soft. He throws it around whenever, you know, they don't, uh, whenever they do, don't do what he thinks they should be doing. Oh, that's soft. You know, oh, you're so soft. And, and it's, it's funny because this year's team is not tough in a lot of maybe the traditional ways that you would consider a Bill Self team to be tough. They're not pounding people mm-hmm. down low, generally speaking. They're not you know, winning battles on the glass. They lost way more um, rebounding battles than they won in Big 12 play. They were one of the Big 12's worst rebounding teams this year. And they aren't great defensively. But the thing that they did have is they were very mentally tough this year. When you look at some of the comebacks they were able to make against West Virginia, both of those games, some of their other contests that they were able to come back. And so I think that while there were other teams that he would certainly, you know, probably prefer or like more from a from a talent standpoint or, or an actual physical toughness standpoint, I think this year's team really earned his respect over the course of the year with the way that they were able to remain, you know, so mentally tough. And, of course, we've got the uh, Big 12 tournament coming up here. Uh, given, you know, the success KU's had, in the uh, regular season, I mean, how much importance do you see the team putting on the uh, conference tournament at this point? You know, it's it, it's hard to see them putting too much importance on it. I, I I don't think that Bill Self usually puts himself in a position to lose a game pretty much ever. So I don't think yeah, yeah. it's going to be one of those things where, you know, it's not going to be a thing where Devontae Graham comes out and plays 20 minutes and Kansas loses and they say, oh, well, you know, yeah, that, yeah. that's thing. But at the same time, I don't think that I don't think that they're going into the Big 12 tournament feeling like it's it's something that they have to win or or that there's something that they have to prove or, or that it's something that they have to go absolutely all out to 
to to get. And you know, they're they're in a position right now where most people have them projected as a as a one seed and you know, while they could potentially I guess fall off that one line, I, I don't know that that's I don't know that that's as important as, you know, not not running your team into the ground, especially with a team that, you know, like we talked about, just doesn't have the depth uh, of some of the previous year's versions. Yeah, and you mentioned, I mean, they seem to be pretty much a consensus one seed, you know, looking here at bracketmatrix.com. Um, I guess there, there's kind of maybe, you know, imagine I, it's kind of, you know, since this team is – not necessarily the kind of classic uh, loaded KU squad heading into the tournament. The teams that have, you know, maybe kind of at times faltered uh, under self's watch, you know, in the tournament. I mean, do you think that that helps them in a, in an odd way that if there if there's not as much of a uh, kind of a spotlight on them going into the uh, big dance? You know, I, I don't think it. I don't think it hurts them. This is a team that you know plays better. I think when they play loose, and you know that was one of the things that from from talking to people who were at the the Kansas Oklahoma game in particular, uh, the the second one at Allen Fieldhouse that that Kansas just sort of ran away and hid in. You know, one of the things that most people who were there before the game really mentioned and seemed to notice was that. Kansas was extremely loose. You know, Devontae Graham was was throwing football passes to Malik Newman, who was trying to get his toes tapped in at the half court line. You know, they were they were messing around. They were very loose, and, and Oklahoma, you know, was was very much in contrast to that. You know, they, everybody felt like they were really serious. You know, very. You, you couldn't say that there was a lack of focus there, but at the same time, you know, they weren't as, as freewheeling and loose. And so maybe that does help this team. And I think even beyond that, you know, when you look at Kansas historically, a lot of the teams that have found a lot of success in the tournament haven't necessarily been the ones that people would have picked. Mm-hmm. You know, Kansas was super loaded in 2010 and lost to Northern Iowa. They were arguably just as loaded in 2011, and they go out and, and lose to VCU in an Elite Eight game that you know pretty much everybody expected them to win. And then the very next year, I mean, while they were certainly talented, I mean, they had Thomas Robinson and Tyshawn Taylor and guys like that, but it was considered pretty much unanimously a weaker team. They went all the way to the national title game. You know, the 88 team that won the national title was, you know, still has the most losses, I think, for any any team that's ever won the national title. The 91 team that went and wound up facing Duke in the national mm-hmm. title game, nobody expected to get past the Sweet 16. And, and we have sort of all these records of other teams like the 97 team and great Kansas teams that didn't, you know, make it maybe as as far as as was expected and so yeah i think it does help a little bit especially since when you look at some of the kansas losses that they've had particularly when you look at some of the elite eight losses that they've had kansas has been tight they were really really tight last year uh, against oregon and i thought that that was one of one of the major differences in that game was the fact that they were so loose and freewheeling in their in their wins against Michigan State and Purdue, and then they go up against Oregon, and it was like they realized, oh my gosh, we're almost to the Final Four, and they came out extremely tight. See, I do think that 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 could become an advantage for this team, although 
if you look at going into the tournament with a one seed anyway, it's hard to say that, you know, people aren't going to still, you know, start having expectations for you at that point. Yeah, no, that's a fair, very fair assessment. Um, let's talk about some of the other teams around the Big 12. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, you mentioned uh, that Oklahoma game where uh, KU just, just blew them out. Um, you know, Oklahoma does appear to be in the tournament at the moment. Um, you know, probably looking at somewhere around an eight or a nine seed at at the moment, of course. But man, this team is just stumbling so badly here down the stretch. Um, you know, they got the uh, win against Kansas State, and I, I honestly thought they had a shot to win at Baylor the other night. But man, I mean, they came out and uh, just I mean, they they couldn't they couldn't finish anything. What's wrong with this team, in your opinion? You know, it, it's. Uh, the obvious thing is to say that the defense is is almost non-existent. I think that yeah. you know Lon Kruger w- would probably agree with with that assessment as well. But you know, even so, there are other teams this year that have found success without having a great defense. I think college basketball, especially with the rules changes of a few years ago, has really skewed towards the offensively talented teams, and you saw that I think earlier this year when Oklahoma was having so much of his success. And I do think, you know, for better or worse, unfortunately, I do wonder a little bit if the media got into the head of, of Trey young a little bit, which, which is so unfortunate. I think that we're, we're in, you know, a time period in our life and everything where people just want to tear down anything and everybody and Trey is such a great kid you know I've had a chance to talk to him through through EYBL at the McDonald's All-America game last year at Big 12 Media Days this year and I don't think people realize what a great kid he is and so for him to to almost be placed into a position where he's wearing a black hat nationally where people are saying oh my gosh it's Trey Young overload and I can't stand this kid and I want him to fail. It's an unfortunate turnabout. But I I think the other thing too is that I wonder, and I think Lon Kruger is an unbelievable coach, but I wonder if the Sooners at times this year were maybe not playing their most talented players. And, you know, one of the big cases, you know, I I think Cameron McGusty should have gotten more minutes, you know, earlier on and, and should have really played a lot more. I, I think that Jamani McNeese gives you a higher ceiling than Kadeem Latin, uh, and Kadeem Latin does bring some really good things. And so I, I do wonder a little bit if maybe Oklahoma, part of the reason that Oklahoma hasn't quite reached where where maybe it could reach uh, is due to that as well. And, and so you're starting to see, obviously, Oklahoma making lineup changes but it's a little bit late in the game for everybody to to pick up the chemistry to get used to playing with each other and for all of those things to work out. And so Oklahoma, to me, is a really intriguing team heading into March and in that I think that they're finally starting to get those lineups right. Like you said, you know, the first half against Baylor was just about as, as rough as you as you could possibly imagine. But you look at what they were able to do at times in the second half, and, and that's a red hot Baylor team, and, mm-hmm. and you and you look at that part of it, and you say, well, why? If Oklahoma gets into the tournament as an eight seed, a nine seed, or a ten seed, you know, what's to stop Oklahoma from 
from showing up well in that first round game and then maybe even throwing a scare into a one seed. I mean, that's certainly that that's certainly possible with that roster. And I, I think that the whole, you know, it's Trey Young and not a bunch of, you know, and then a bunch of other guys, I think that's been a little oversold. And I, I do think that Oklahoma has a chance if, and that's where the Big 12 tournament is going to be so important for them is I think that they need to, to win a game or two in the Big 12 tournament, sort of refine that footing and and make themselves back into a dangerous team come uh, come March Madness. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Kruger and, and, and the rotations. It's also kind of funny because uh, in this, it's Kruger is such a uh, he's such an easygoing kind of you know, just nice guy. Uh, you know, you wonder if maybe they had a guy who was a little bit tougher, who might have been able to really get into him and light a fire him in at some point, uh, you know, during the season. Uh, but the other thing that, that I can't, I just, blows me away every time I watch them play is, uh, Trey Young is, is one of the best passers I've seen at the collegiate level in a long, long time. But he's setting these guys up for what should be easy finishes and they just can't convert. I mean, especially right around the basket, they, they, uh, their, their lack of toughness and inability to finish to me is just, it's mind blowing watching him sometimes. Sure, and I, I I'm thinking of a finish, and you probably remember it um, as well against Baylor just the other night, where Trey Young just zips a pass into Jamani McNeese, who looks like he has an easy dunk, and, and he kind of gets knocked away from it a little bit by uh, by Luala Chul, mm-hmm. and, and it, it's one of those things that with the way that that pass came in, with where McNeese was at catching the ball, I mean that's a finish that has to be made. Yeah, you know, it, it, and if you don't finish, I mean, you need to you need to try and finish in a way that the only way for the guy to stop you is to put you at the free throw line for a couple of shots. And, and I do think that, you know, maybe there is a little bit of of lack of toughness with this team. I just I also see them being a team that when when they're firing, the skill level is so high, mm-hmm. and, and I think that if they're able to incorporate Cam McGussey and Trey Young together and find sort of a happy medium, because they're both guys that really excel with the ball in their hands. Um, I, I do think that Oklahoma could be a dangerous team in March, but obviously they're, they're running out of games to sort of perfect that formula. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one thing uh, that's kind of intriguing to me is, is watching the big 12, you know, I I have this theory that that the Big Twelve home courts, for some reason, teams seem to defend their home floor in this league really, really strongly compared to uh, others, which I think is part of what makes the Big Twelve so tough. You know, people talk about uh, the Big Twelve being a great league, and at times, I'm not sure if it's the the quality of the of the team so much as it's just a brutal grind, you know, when you got to go to places like Ames or, you you know, Stillwater, uh, Manhattan. I mean, it, you know, those teams seem to play so well at home. I wonder, though, if what – but it seems like at the same time the Big 12 has had so many flameouts in the tournament. I, I just wonder, are, are we looking at a conference that is maybe from a, a quality of the teams, uh, maybe a little overrated? I think this year, maybe, yeah, um, because I, I see this year's 
league, and I, I see the Kansas team that won it. And, and yes, I know you know Kansas has more quadrant one wins than anybody in the country, and you know, and, and all of that stuff. But at the same time, I look at this Kansas team, and right now, it, I mean, if they win and West Virginia wins on Saturday, which is certainly not out of the realm of conversation, I mean, they're they're going to going to Texas, which is playing shorthanded. Um, Kansas is going to win the league by multiple games this year. Mm-hmm. And, and and you look at it from that standpoint and you say, okay. And, and you look down the conference, and, and it's funny because somebody, I think, said that West Virginia was, was the most dangerous NCAA tournament team out of the Big 12. And I'll, I'll admit, I hate West Virginia in the NCAA tournament because I think that so much of what they do depends on the officiating crew that they get. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I just do not trust West Virginia on a year in year out basis. And maybe that's my hangout, but I just don't trust them on a year in year out basis to win four games in a row and go to the final four. I think that that that's a really tough thing for, for them to do. And so I started thinking, okay, if it's not West Virginia because of that reasoning, who is it? And I couldn't think of anybody. You know, this Kansas team, like I said, I mean, if they don't make shots, they could be out in the second round. Yeah. You, you look at, you know, Texas Tech would have been my pick, but with Keenan Evans having a toe injury, I mean, those things tend to last and are really nagging and painful. And he, you know, and he obviously was so far from from 100% during the Kansas game, and he didn't play in their last one that you wonder – you know, will, will he be able to, to be playing at a high level come March? And if not them, I mean, Baylor's a hot team, but do you really trust this Baylor team? It, it's not as talented as, as some Baylor teams, I think, in the past. And, and is Baylor really the most dangerous team in the conference? Is it K-State, which kind of shows up and then doesn't mm-hmm. show up? And it, it's it's so tough this year. And I think this year you look at it and there isn't a team that you can look at and say, okay, this team, this team should go to a final four if all things are right, or this team should even go to an elite eight. I don't know that the league has an elite eight team this year. They, they might have one, they might have two or three, but it's, there's nobody that makes you excited for it. It's not like, the league was even two years ago when you had, you know, the buddy healed Oklahoma team mm-hmm. that went to the final four, you had the Kansas team that put a real challenge into Villanova in the elite eight, you know, where they would have played Oklahoma in that final mm-hmm. four, the West Virginia team. I felt like that year was superior to the West Virginia team uh, of this year. And you had even more teams on down the line. I think that, that could challenge and go a long way. You look at Iowa state, you know, with guys like Monty Morris and, mm-hmm. and, and players like that. And, and I don't see that this year. And so I do think that this year, especially the the league has the league has gotten a lot of credit and I, I believe the league is still tops in Ken Palm as as the best league in the country. But you look at the ACC which, you know, could have three or four, you know, final four yeah. type teams. And the Big Twelve, I think the thing that you can certainly say is that there, there is no easy team in the Big 12 where you're saying, "Oh, good, we get a week off. We get to go. We get to go play Iowa State or Oklahoma State this week." Yeah. And that, that's the biggest compliment you can give to it. But at the same time, I don't see the teams at the top of the league that 
that maybe make it as scary as it even could be some other years. Yeah, it's kind of funny, you know, the one team that sticks out to me is having the highest, you know, boom bust potential is Baylor just because of uh, you know, they've got they've got a good guard in Lecomte, uh, you know, they've got that funky style, lots of length, you know, it's kind of a Scott Drew special. Uh, but man, I mean, does anybody really want to trust Baylor in an NCAA tournament at this point? Sure. And, and I mean, and Baylor does typically fare well against fare better against non-conference teams. And I think that's where that whole, you know, Scott Drew can't coach thing comes from is, you know, it's, it's not that Scott Drew can't coach it, but when you get into conference play, everybody knows your favorite plays. Mm-hmm. They run your, they know your favorite variations of your fair, favorite plays. They know your second and third options on that stuff. And so you start to really separate out, you know, who can really, really coach and who can adjust, especially over the course of a game from, from who can't because the people know you so well. And I think that Scott Drew is not as good at coming up with a plan D that's going to work as, as a Bill Self or, or a Long Kruger or a Bob Huggins even in, in the conference. And I think that's where that comes from. But you get him into non-conference play where people aren't used to seeing the length. They aren't used to seeing Baylor's zone. And I know they've played more man this year, but Baylor is a weird team to them. They're an alien team to them. And so Baylor tends to have more success in non-conference play and that is one thing that I agree with you. I think that Baylor could be one of the more dangerous sort of Big 12 teams in the NCAA tournament. But like you said, with Baylor, I mean, what's what's that mean? Does that mean the Sweet 16? Does it, yeah. you know, does it mean that, that they could go all the way to the Elite Eight? Because I, I certainly don't see this Baylor team making a Final Four. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you there for sure. Well, uh, hey, Kevin, thanks so much. Really appreciate it, man. So let everybody know uh, where they can uh, check up on your work. Yeah, uh, you guys can read my stuff sort of across the the 24-7 Sports Network, and uh, my Twitter handle is at KFlaherty247. Awesome. Well, Kevin, hey, thanks so much, man. I really do appreciate you taking time out for us. All right. Thanks a lot, Alan. And thanks to you all for joining us, too. For the Boyd Homers and Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.